0: Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that would change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Well, today I want to talk about turning graves into gardens. Graves into gardens, which is a title I absolutely stole from a song, and, and it's a song by Brandon Lake that I'm loving at the moment. But I want to talk about turning graves into gardens because I think this is something God does. Now, I haven't spent a whole lot of time in graveyards, praise God, and I've spent even less time gardening because I hate gardening. I don't really know what to do in the garden. I don't really know what to do with this current moment in which everybody is loving greenery. Everybody's loving putting some plants together and and making the house look beautiful. And I'm all for that. It's just that I don't like it. Now, my wife, who is awesome at everything and is an amazing mother and is an amazing pastor and is an amazing wife and amazing Miss Teen Chinorama in 1996, is not an amazing gardener. See, if God is turning graves into gardens, my wife has the spiritual gift of turning gardens into graves. Turning gardens into graves. Every plant she is given, she can kill. Not one, not two, but three cacti have been murdered at the hands of my wife. Now, one might be an accident. Three is a serial killing. Okay, That, that is a, a consistent series of events that you have to begin to take seriously. That's the case. So bless my wife, she's got a black thumb, not a green thumb. I've got more of a, an avoidance thumb, which is definitely not a kind of thumb. But either way, we don't know enough about turning graves into gardens. We know too much about turning gardens into graves. But here's what I know about that, that in our lives, our tendency is to turn gardens into graves. That is to turn good things into something that is broken. That is to turn something that God intends for good into something that is sinful and lost. But God's plan and God's habit is to take the things that are graves in our life and restore life into them and bring them back. He is a redeeming God. He's turning graves into gardens. And in the moment we are in right now, we need that, don't we? We need to know that God is in control. We need to know that God is on the throne. It is a terribly difficult moment for us. COVID-19 is sweeping the globe. We are all afraid. Many, many people have lost their jobs because of this. I'm, I'm sure many of you have. You know, stats are hard to come by, but it seemed like as many as a million Australians may lose their jobs as a result of the coronavirus. I know people are anxious, panicking, seems like a recession is oncoming. You know, people are isolated and lonely. And worst of all, we have this fear that people we love are going to pass away. The people that are most vulnerable, our fears aren't just for what is happening in the unknown. Our fear is that the unknown can sweep in and take away those that we love. They are fears grounded in reality. And so what do we do in this moment? Because when I look around on social media, a lot of what I see is either judgmentalism from those who have gone into full lockdown mode or scorn and really stupidity from those who are refusing to take it seriously and not much in the middle. People who will take fear and facts and look at them and hold them together because that, my friends, is the work of the gospel. The gospel is always a work that sees these two ways. It occupies a middle ground between fear and ignorance. That is, we face the truth without being held captive by it. And in times when we are quite literally held captive in our own homes, the boredom we can feel can be a gift if we let it. In fact, it can be the captivity, the boundaries can create creativity that bursts forth. You've probably heard it said a hundred times in the last two weeks. But the Renaissance came after the Black Death. There is life that can come out of death if we let it, if we let God do His redemptive work. And so the question to ask ourselves in a moment of isolation is this. Will we continue to live lives of quiet desperation as we use Netflix as an anesthetic? Or will we live lives with the Spirit? Will we treat this as a moment A moment in time, not to retreat, but to advance, to advance in Jesus' name. Where we see this, not just as a crisis, but as an opportunity to go further forward into the presence of God, to grow in our own lives, to see God take this barren time and bring gardens of life from it. And tonight, today, this morning, whenever you're watching... I want to talk about David as a way of of showing this because the idea of creating life out of death is central to the Bible. You know, again and again, we hear stories of how God brings life into the wilderness and desert places. In fact, the first biblical story is creation in Genesis, literally paradise coming out of nothing. Nothing. That's what God does. He brings gardens out of what looks like a death. It looks like a grave. In John 15, Jesus calls himself the true vine and says that his father is the gardener. This is the metaphor he uses in Isaiah 58 verse 11. It says this, And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places, and you shall be like a watered garden. The scorched place is becoming a garden. In John chapter 20 verses 14 to 16, Mary literally mistakes Jesus for a gardener. I'm laying it on a bit thick, but you get the message, right? God is doing a work of gardening. He is a gardener who longs to tend to our souls. That's what God longs to do. So let's get to the story of David. And the story of David is one of the great underdog stories. A shepherd boy, David is anointed as a king by the prophet Samuel. And then he comes to the public eye when he kills the giant Philistine Goliath. So he joins the Israelite army and he quickly makes a name for himself as a war hero and a popular leader, leading to this fateful parade where people are singing about him. And they sing about Saul, the king, and they say, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And Saul hears it and he becomes jealous and he becomes resentful. And he begins to persecute David and go mad, actually. As a result, he tries to kill David and David who has done nothing but obey Saul, support him and bless his household is forced to flee for his life. And I want you to catch something here. This is not fair. It's not in any way fair. This isn't somebody getting their just desserts. It's not his past catching up with him. It's just purely unfair. David is persecuted for things that he did not do. And so he then has two choices, the same choices we all have. He can give up or he can go on. That's all there is to it, give up or go on. So he escapes and he spends the next decade trying to stay one step ahead of Saul's people. Like so many in the Bible, he endures a wilderness period, a period where a mad king was trying to send him to an early grave. But David turned his graveyard into a garden. He managed to flourish even in this time. How did he do that? One word creativity. Creativity. When we're introduced to David as he goes to battle Goliath, he's given a sword, he's given armour, and he's given this shield, and he goes to put them on. He goes, I just can't do it. So he goes and gets a sling and five stones, and he takes down this giant using nothing but a sling and some stones. He innovates because the situation he was in didn't work for him. And it's the same thing here. David trusts that even in the worst situations, there was hope. David takes his sling and five stones and walks out in the name of the Lord to battle Goliath, and you can do the same thing. Let me give you a few more examples from David. He gets creative by finding food for his army. In fact, he eats leftover bread from the temple. And then as he's seeking refuge from Saul one of the thousand times, he has to fake being a madman to avoid dying. It says in the Bible that saliva was was running down his beard as hopefully isn't happening to me right now. That's one of the things that David did. It says that in the Bible. The Bible is fantastic. Read it. Go read it. 1 Samuel 21, saliva running down David's beard as he faked madness to escape persecution. And then he starts to gather this army and he has to house his army in a giant cave. They live there for a while because there is nowhere else to go. David kept having a choice in which he could say, God, I give up. But instead he goes on. God wants to do that in our lives. God wants us to keep going. He wants us to see the reality, face the truth and trust in hope, putting hope in front of above and beyond the truth we see. See, David was forced to get creative and God brings him out of certain death and he becomes the king of Israel. And it's a great story. And you might think, okay, yeah, David becomes the king of Israel, but we're looking back at history and that's great. That's great for David, but it's harder for me. And you don't know how I'm feeling. You don't know what I'm going through right now. But I I need I need to tell you this. David got despondent too. Don't think that David, just because he was a king, just because he was God's anointed, didn't get despondent. Read the Psalms. Psalm 10, he says this, Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide in times of trouble? Or Psalm 22, which Jesus quotes on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are not the words of somebody who is feeling good, not the words of somebody with a full confidence in what God is doing. The point is that David knew difficult times and he knew what it was to find hope when everything around him seemed dark. But David kept his faith in God and pursued holiness even as he was suffering. Twice he has the chance to kill King Saul when nobody else but him and his men would know he did it. Nobody would blame him. And twice, he refuses to lift a hand against the man he says is the Lord's anointed. David knew persecution. He embraced creative solutions. He faced down despondency and depression and he maintained a pursuit of holiness. See, it's not about denying the situation we're in. It's about acknowledging the power and goodness of the God we serve. Because what you see is a time of death, God can turn into life. What you see is a desert, God can turn into the promised land. What you see is a graveyard, God is longing to turn into a garden if you let Him. If you let Him. So how do we do it? How can we turn the graveyards of our lives into gardens by the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus? Well, let me give you five ways I think we can respond. Here's the first one with vocational creativity. Vocational creativity. Many of you listening to this have lost work. It is a difficult time. This is a reality. And this can be especially jarring because work is linked with purpose and meaning for so many of us. It's really difficult to separate ourselves from that. But now can be a time of opportunity. For starters, you can pursue some dreams now. If you've been that person and you've always said, I would love to write a book, I just don't have enough time. You now have the time. Now it's our choice. Do we look at it as a graveyard or do we see the garden God can plant there? We can write that book now. We can get on that project we've always dreamed about Could this be like the Renaissance? Could it really be where we see a resurgence of culture, of new Christ-centered culture coming out because people dig deep and refuse to let their lives become a graveyard in this moment? What about study? Uh, For some of you, this is a chance to turn to study that you've always wanted to do. For others it might simply be that your your moment of innovation right now is just to hustle, 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 hustle to innovate and start a new job or it might be to look for any work out there. Now this is not ideal. Vocationally very few people say I feel called to stack shelves at Woolies, right? But I tell you, if we didn't have people stacking shelves of woolies, we'd all be in a lot of trouble right now, and it pays the bills and right now that hustle might be what we need to lean into when we realize that there is a sense of purpose in the work that we do. Or maybe we haven't lost our job and we actually just need to be renewed in our gratitude for what God has done in allowing us to stay in a workplace. See, David was a shepherd he was a musician, he was a warrior, he was a king. Now we may need to switch vocations in this time before all is said and done. So what might God be challenging you to do in your vocation in this time? So that's vocational creativity. Let me get on to the next one. This one's more fun, recreational creativity. Can I just ask, please, please don't just binge watch TV while, while COVID-19 is happening, okay? At some point, this will get boring if it hasn't already, right? You, you can only watch The Crown so many times before, you know, you get it. Uh, the British have a stiff upper lip, you know. Uh, you, you've got to actually be doing other things in your life. Now, why don't you read some books, right? Standard, standard old guy comment, just read some books what about expanding your musical taste i'm loving watching my friends on facebook who are going back and going through some of the stuff they loved when they were younger it's actually really fascinating and it's it's, it's nostalgia inducing it's beautiful what about learning a language what about improving your fitness now th- you have the internet at your fingertips and so many companies have made it free for you to do things like this at this time because of the coronavirus so why don't you just take this opportunity to find something you've always longed to do and give it a crack. Have you always wanted to learn the guitar? Do that. Wanted to learn Spanish? Do that. Wanted to learn how to cook? Do that. Don't waste this time, even recreationally. You can learn something new. Who knows? God has given us all a certain amount of days, and we don't know how many days we have, but we don't want to waste them. So what will you do with your time? So here's the third one. We heard vocational and recreational creativity. Financial creativity, financial creativity. Now, I'm not talking about financial accounting. I'm not talking about just getting a really nice tax return here. What I'm talking about is uh, making sure that you really are watching the budget at this time. I'm talking about the fact that not only do you have to watch the budget you have, but you may need to blow it up and start from scratch because many of us live paycheck to paycheck or worse, after pay. You know who you are. And not necessarily because we don't have the money either. In fact, we we are probably in this place where we've had more discretionary income than ever before as a generation, but it's suddenly that we're spending it on $300 pairs of jeans and second and third cars and Spotify premium and Helga's bread instead of the cheap bread and buying books instead of renting them or borrowing them from the library. Now, none of these things are, are wrong. But there is a point where we have to re-look at what we are doing and ask ourselves if this is feasible right now. Or even, are we contributing to a global environmental problem by not watching our finances more carefully? I'm not saying don't spend any money. We need to stimulate the economy, okay? But I am saying watch how you spend. And I am saying this as well. When you are getting financially creative, don't cut out your generosity. If you are supporting charities, if you're supporting sponsor kids, that that kid can't afford for you to let it go. If you're giving to your local church and I encourage you to do that, the church can't afford for you to drop that. And you can't afford to put other financial things ahead of what you're giving to the church. Now, what you give needs to be between you and God. It may be that because of what's happened in your job, you need to change that. Maybe it needs to go down. That's totally fine. That's between you and God. Can I tell you though, can I encourage you, don't cut that out. This is a blessing for your life as well as for the church. It's a blessing in the lives, obviously of the people you're sponsoring, of the charities you're supporting, the missionaries you're supporting, the, hung- the hungry people that need the money that you are giving. And there is probably more margin in your budget than you realise. We may just have to go from Helga's to Homebrand, friends. Except in Tim Tams, never buy home brand Tim Tams, you know that. But I do want to say this. You probably don't need Netflix, Foxtel, KO, an AFL subscription and Disney Plus, right? There's more room than we think in our budget. So it's time to blow up the budget. Look at it with fresh eyes and ask, how can we serve the kingdom of God by being wise and generous at the same time? That's financial creativity. Here's number four, relational creativity. Relational creativity. Now, I'm hardly the first person to point this out, but this is a unique moment. You get to share more time with your family and friends. That person you say, we should catch up for coffee, and then you never catch up for coffee. You can actually do it now, right? Or you should just stop telling them you're going to catch up for coffee. That's the other thing. You can actually do it now. Obviously, you've got the digital capacity now to reach out and be with people uh, over digital technology that you're not able to be with in person. And the thing is, I don't know if you've ever found this for yourselves, I've often found that people I know who live overseas, I connect with them more because I make a conscious effort to do it than people who may live down the road from me. Well, this is an opportunity because the people down the road from you are now, it's as if they're overseas, so you can connect with them that way. But I want to suggest two other things. The people that you live with, this is a chance to get to know them in a whole new way. That instead of just being ships in the night, that you're around each other, but not with each other, you can actually get to know them. It is a gospel opportunity. Parents, you will never have a time like this again to disciple your children. God bless all of us who are homeschooling. We need all the prayers we can get. Thank you, teachers. Thank you. We really appreciate you. But putting that to the side, you have an opportunity to sow faith in your children right now because they are going to see what discipleship, what worship, what church looks like in your home. So, what's that going to be as a legacy in your kids' life? So, that's relational creativity. Here's the last one spiritual creativity. Spiritual creativity. Because much like gardens need water to grow, the garden of your spirit needs God's living water. Now is not the time to retreat into sadness or binge watching. Now is the time to press into the presence of God, to spend time with Him. The amount of times that we say, oh yeah, I'm not reading my Bible enough or I'm not praying enough. We don't have that excuse anymore. We don't have busyness as an excuse. Even busy, we have the time. We have the time. There will be things in your life that need to die so that your spiritual life will flourish, right? God can take, though, the things that need to die, your sinful habits, your, your idols, your mindsets and desires, and breathe new life into you, a garden in your spirit. I've got to say, I understand it, but in this moment, I am so sick of people telling me to grieve and to lament. Now you may have had something terrible happen to you. You may have a loved one who is sick with COVID-19 or or has passed away recently, and you haven't been able to attend the funeral. You may have lost your job. These are real reasons to grieve and to mourn. But we're ambassadors of hope, church. We're ambassadors of hope. And at some point, we have to hold that grieving intention with the joy of the presence of God, the joy of the gospel, the Holy Spirit inside of us leading us on because this entire year has been grieving for Australia. We haven't had a breath. Pray for Scott Morrison. Imagine being the prime minister right now. Imagine from bushfires to COVID, when have we had a chance to breathe in 2020? So in this moment... I choose victory, I choose faith. I choose to believe that gardens are gonna come out of this graveyard moment. I choose to believe and I choose to partner with God in his mission in this time. I'm not just gonna say it, I'm gonna do it. I'm not just gonna believe it, I'm gonna live it out in Jesus' name. God is turning your graveyards into gardens, but we have to allow him to do a work in our spirit in this time. Friends, this is the moment for followers of Jesus to get serious what we at our church and encounter are calling being resilient disciples. This is a time of living in the Spirit. The age of self-help needs to die in the 2020s. It never worked. And now it's just being shown for what it is. The only thing we have to lean on right now is the Spirit of God. So come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit into our lives. See, friends, the story of Genesis is God creating a beautiful garden and humans like me. Like you, turning it into a graveyard. But the story of Easter, the story we are approaching, is a story of Jesus overcoming the grave to lead humans back to the garden. Jesus has won the victory in Easter. In fact, today is Palm Sunday. It is a day we celebrate the coming of Jesus into Jerusalem, the victory of the oncoming king. He comes in like a conquering king because that's who he is. But he doesn't conquer with armies. He conquers with love. He conquers with the power of his spirit. He conquers by filling you, by filling me, by giving us meaning that we never knew we could have because we can't have it anywhere else but in Jesus' name. That's what Palm Sunday is all about, the coming of the king. Jesus not only rose again from the grave, He made the grave into a garden of new life for you and me, eternal life. The graves we've created for ourselves through our sin, through our rejection, through our disobedience of God, Jesus is turning into a garden of life that is flourishing at Easter. I wanna finish by reading to you from Ezekiel, the great prophet, as he prophesies hope to the people of Israel at the end of chapter 36. This is from verse 33. This is what the sovereign Lord says. When I cleanse you from your sins, I will repopulate your cities and the ruins will be rebuilt. The fields that used to lie empty and desolate in plain view of everyone will again be farmed. And when I bring you back, people will say, this former wasteland is now like the Garden of Eden. The abandoned and ruined cities now have strong walls and are filled with people then the surrounding nations that survive will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruins and replanted the wasteland for I, the Lord, has spoken and I will do what I say. God will rebuild the ruins that it feels like you're in right now. God will replant the wasteland. He will do what He says He will do. And it's our job, friends, to partner with Him in seeing life burst forth, gardens out of graves in our own lives, because we're trusting in the Word of God, being led by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' Name. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you are able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We'd love to hear from our listeners to connect with us or to support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.